Thanks for tuning in today to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. My name is Katie Chesney, and on Employment Notebook, we provide advice and insight into different strategies for succeeding in the workplace. And today we are with Susan A. Marshall, founder of the Backbone Institute, and she brings a wealth of information and experience with her today. So Susan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Katie. Thanks for having me. Now, today we're talking about how having a backbone can kind of help you gain power and influence at work. And before we dive into this topic, can you tell us why you felt this was such an important topic that needed to be addressed? Absolutely. I've been working in business and with a variety of organizations, public and private, as well as academic institutions now for about 25 years. It's been clear to me over the last generation, maybe two, that confidence has been systematically eroded. If you think about our confidence in businesses and organizations, in our government, certainly, and even among relationships, people's confidence has been shaken, partly because of the economy, partly because of this thing we call political correctness. People don't know what they can and cannot say. So if you think about that, our confidence has eroded. Okay, what are we going to do about that? Mm -hmm. And that is a question to myself that I took pretty seriously. How to grow a backbone? Um, that you referred, you know, 10 Strategies for Gaining Power and Influence at Work is a book that was published in 2000 that has been translated into multiple languages and is especially popular in Asia, which I find kind of interesting. But what I've heard from people over the years since they've read the book or heard about it or been in uh, backbone boot camps is that there are some simple things, and we'll talk about this in a minute, that we can do privately that can help reestablish our confidence. And so that's the work that the Backbone Institute was formed to do. Now, before we kind of get into how to, you know, those 10 strategies for gaining that backbone and that confidence, can you tell us a little bit about the impact that kind of not having a backbone has on your career? (laughs) Well, look around, right? Mm -hmm. We hit people all the time who are confused, who are disappointed um, in where they are, who really don't know what's wrong. They just know that something's wrong. And so without having the ability to look, to really look with clarity at what's going on around you, without the ability to identify opportunity, it's really tough to get unstuck. And that is, it's way more, you know, we can't think our way to confidence. So we can't think our way to a better place. We truly have to start doing things. And I like to talk about baby steps to get us from where we are in this place of, you know, lack of confidence and funk and being stuck and being disappointed to a place where we start feeling like we have some ability to change our circumstances. Now, do you notice any changes between how this affects males and females? Does one gender struggle more to naturally have a backbone? You know, that's a terrific question, Katie, and and it's one that I'm asked with some regularity. I don't think there's a gender that struggles more or less, but what we see is that the struggle manifests itself differently in behaviors. Women, girls, have greater permission from society and and even from some organizations to be more public about the struggle, to ask more questions, to sort of get together with one another and talk about this stuff. Men, at least historically, have been expected to quietly figure it out. And what we see oftentimes from men is more aggressive behavior, more posturing perhaps than women because they don't have the permission we do to be open 
and again, I say this historically, I think this is changing somewhat, but we have greater permission to sort of try to figure it out out loud. Now, on the flip side of this, if someone does have a well-developed backbone, what kind of impact does that have on their career? Does it just open more opportunities for them? It does. And let's spend just a couple of seconds talking about why that is. You know, sometimes people say, well, a backbone is this tremendous charisma and it's being outspoken and it's being bold. And while certainly those are some characteristics that it may entail, given the personality types, having a backbone really helps people be calmer, be better thinkers, be better able to identify opportunities for which they are suited and then pursue those opportunities. You know, one of the things that we do in our workshops is we say, complete this sentence. With some confidence, we can do some things. With total confidence, we can do all things. See, and that's typically all things, or we can do everything. And that is not true. Okay. And that's part of the reason why we get stuck. And, and this point was made really eloquently to me about 15 years ago. I was working with one of our HR guys in a company that I was working for, short little guy who was probably five, six. And he said, you Mm -hmm. know, I have every confidence in the world that if you put me on the basketball court, I can play basketball. And he said, it's never going to happen. Why? He said, I can't palm the basketball. My hands aren't big enough. I'm not tall enough. And so we like to think that if we can just amass this tremendous confidence, there's nothing in the world we cannot do. Well, that's not true because of our physical characteristics, because of our intellectual capabilities, whatever those limitations are, there are real and true limitations that when we can acknowledge and say, okay, given this reality, what do I want to do? That's a much stronger place to be than thinking there's absolutely anything we can do and run into walls when we find out that we can't. So it's really a more realistic approach. So, for example, I would be horrendous on the basketball court. I'd probably take on my own <laughs> my own home team. So, yeah, right? <laughs> can you give us an example of how a situation could be handled by someone with a backbone versus someone without a backbone, just so we can kind of see that contrast and truly understand the impact that it has? There is disappointment inherent in life when you have and can develop a backbone. You can look at reality. And, and truly acknowledge reality for what it is, not what you wish it would be, not what you need it to be, and then deal effectively with what options you can identify. Without a backbone, you get into and stuck in the victim mentality. I can't do this because my boss won't let me, I don't have enough money, it's the weather is terrible, whatever. And that is a perpetuating mindset. So it really does become a mindset of I'm, go- I'm going to look at the world the way it is, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to manage my disappointment, right? And I think Mm -hmm. that's key. I'm going to find a way to manage my disappointment, and then I'm going to choose my path forward. It might not be what I wish it could be, but I can put that wish away, and I can look at it realistically and say, let me start taking the, the steps down the path. What happens then when you operate from a position of backbone and seeing reality is that as you begin to take steps down a path, you see a broader landscape which then provides opportunities that you may not have even in your wildest dreams imagined could be there. Now, how should someone go about developing a backbone? What is the very first step they should take? The very first thing is this notion of looking at reality. So become Mm -hmm. an observer. Who's around you? And and if we're looking at a, a business opportunity or a career move, 
who are you working with now? Who are the people that you really enjoy interacting with? Who are the people that really cause you to go, oh, ick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't want to do this. So really being realistic about who you want to be around, how you like to work. We, we, over the years, have talked a lot about open space architecture, right? Get everybody working together. Well, for some people, extroverts, for example, that might be a very comfortable thing. For people who really need quiet space and private space to think best, that's not an ideal setup. So how do you work best? What are the things that you, that you do well? What are the things that you care about? And begin to get very clear about those things. We don't take time in this society to think about this stuff. We tend to do what people say we're good at. We tend to go where people say, oh, because of this, you should go do X. And we say, well, okay. And we start going there and doing X, and we realize we don't like that, or we're not as well suited for it as people will think. So what are your gifts? What are you enabled to do? What do you like to do? How do you like to work? So putting those down very, very crystal clearly, and then looking at that thing and asking yourself, okay, what does this mean? Does it mean I work in a big company, a little company? I work remotely. I need to be in the office. What are those things that really signify for you an ideal, right, ideal in air quotes, but an ideal Mm -hmm. working relationship. And then where are the the organizations that can provide that? And sometimes that means talking to a lot of people, which people without a backbone are reluctant to do, asking a lot of questions that you really don't have answers to until you ask them, which also requires a backbone, and then listening to what's being said. So this sounds like a process. And kind of once you start asking these questions of yourself, you can start walking down that correct path. But there has to be more to this. So in a nutshell, can you describe how someone should continue to move forward to ensure that they are developing and growing a backbone as they kind of figure out what is going to work for them from a working perspective as far as space and what kind of company and who they want to work with? Take notes. Okay. Keep your eyes open. Take notes. I I like to ask people to journal and people, I don't want to journal. Not a dear diary. I don't have Mm -hmm. to write paragraphs, but observations of the day. Really enjoyed this meeting because a couple of bullet points. Had a really difficult day because bullet points. And this is a process of not only observing your surroundings and the people and the topics and the interactions and the energy, but really paying attention to yourself. And again, I don't think we take time in this culture to do that very, very well. What do I get excited about? When is my energy really high? When am I having a downtime, right? And some of it is just managing your energy throughout the day with nutrition and all of that kind of thing. But get in touch with yourself and then watch the world around you as you are working within it. So pay attention, jot things down, take time, if not every day, at least once a week to look at that, to reflect on it. What does it mean? What do I think about this? What are the opportunities that these notes seem to suggest to me? Who can I talk to? Who would I like to meet? These are thoughts that oftentimes will circulate through our brains. And because we don't write them down, I had a great idea today and by tomorrow it's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm frustrated because I knew it was great, but now it's gone. Right. Well, let's not let them go. We talk a lot about connecting the dots. I think I said this in our session a couple weeks ago. We're not capturing the dots. Mm -hmm. So that sounds really important just to take those notes, kind of capture and connect the dots and really reflect upon yourself individually. Now, what is a common challenge that you see a lot of people facing when they're trying to develop a backbone and connecting all these dots together? 
I think there's a whole fear that's sort of unspecific. I'm afraid of making a mistake. I'm afraid of looking silly. I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. I'm afraid of stepping into a place that I'm not ready for and failing. So there's a tremendous fear. And, and we are encouraged sort of perversely in that fear by magazines that say, do these three things and you're going to be successful. You know, take these five steps and you're going to be awesome. Well, that may or may not be true. The, the problem for many of us is that we can think great things, but we don't act. And the, act, the reason we don't act is, again, that fear. I think the flip side of that, though, Katie, is we really don't understand our capacity and our resilience. We have a little part of our brain called the RAS, particular mm-hmm. something. I don't remember what the, the scientific name is. But the job of that little thing in our brain is to magnify the negative to protect us. Well, so that means that we have to purposely and intentionally override that by looking at what we've accomplished, by looking at baby steps that have been successful, by looking at what we've been able to do so far and what that means for what we might want to do. I truly believe that people operate at about a 20% capacity. There's tremendous potential for development, but we're, we're scared. Mm-hmm. And speaking of development, do you have um, any resources that could be helpful for individuals that are working through growing a backbone? I know you have a book. It's called How to Grow a Backbone, 10 Strategies for Gaining Power and Influence at Work. Earlier, you mentioned some backbone boot camps. So can you just tell us a little bit more about these things? Yes. The boot camps that we run are six weeks, uh, six-week programs, three hours a day, once a week, to work through five fundamental skills that again, I think in many cases are weak. The first one is critical thinking. It is the foundation for everything that we move forward with. So if I'm not thinking clearly, I'm really not looking at the world realistically, nor am I doing a very good job at uh, identifying my opportunities. So what we do in that first skill building, and this is all skill building stuff, Mm -hmm. is to say we're going to distinguish critical thinking from assumptive thinking, right? What assumptions am I making? wishful thinking, again, wish the world was the way I'd like it to be, and memory. And memory is a real trap for many of us. We remember something that happened, and if it was good, we expect to replicate it, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. If it was bad, we tend to avoid it, even though every circumstance of surrounding that memory has changed. But critical thinking is the foundation, and we spend a lot of time on that. Second skill is decisiveness. When I think Clearly, I can come to some conclusions. Most times when we're thinking, trying to make a decision about something that's either difficult or really important to us, think and we think and we think and we get sick of thinking and we call that a decision. It's not. We just stopped. And so when that decision is challenged, we kind of get wishy-washy or we throw up our hands and say, well, oh, I don't know. And, and here comes the disappointment, right? I can't. Mm-hmm. So the decisiveness piece is second. Third is clarity of communication. When I can think it all the way to the end, make a decision for reasons that I'm clear about, now I can communicate to people who need to know whatever I've decided in a way that is calm, in a way that is well-considered, in a way that is very intentional. Now, does that mean I'm not going to be challenged? No, but I accept challenge because I also recognize that as clear a thinker as I might be, as good a decision maker as I may be, I still have blind spots. And I appreciate the challenge when people expose the blind spot. So the clarity of communication piece rests on the ability to do the other two skills well. 
The fourth skill then we teach is integrity of word and act. I said it, I did it, they match. Here's where in jobs and careers, a lot of this disappointment comes in because we hear people say stuff and then we watch what they do and they don't match. And so what do we trust? And how do we engage in, in a situation where we're not sure what to trust? So that integrity of word and act is really key, not only to build self-confidence, but to start building the platform for trust Mm -hmm. with others. And then the fifth skill is consistency, that I'm the same person day to day, week to week, month to month. So people know how to engage me, know where I stand, and know how they can participate. So that's the boot camps, three hours a week, Mm -hmm. once for six weeks. And then the other uh, aspect of Backbone Institute is shorter backbone guides. There's a brand new one for women of beauty and substance, a backbone guide for women that was released in August. That's been hugely popular. Uh, women are really having fun with that. And the other five um, that, we'll, that we're working on are for young professionals, geeks, nonprofit leaders, parents, and educators. So there's definitely a wealth of resources out there for people who really want to embody this and make some progress with growing a backbone. Absolutely. And I would point your, your audience to backboneinstitute.com for all kinds of materials, blogs, articles. There's a wealth of information there as well. And unfortunately, we are running out of time today. And I just want to thank Susan for joining us and sharing our expert advice. We do appreciate it. So thank you, Susan. My pleasure. Now, if you're looking for more topics like this one, head over to aljaneradio.com. If you have any feedback for us or would like to request a show, please send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And once again, I'm your host, Katie Chesney with LJN Radio. Best of luck with your career. 